This is episode one of Oaktown Boys. I'm Dan. Dan Connolly. Um, I've been an Ace fan, I mean, pretty much my whole life. Um, my family, my mom's family moved to Oakland in 1968, and the A's moved to Oakland in 1969. So um, we've been rooting for the A's ever since they were in Oakland. And it's been a great time pretty much the whole time. I haven't been alive for a World Series. They won in 89, and I was born in 90. So that's turning into like a little bit of a joke now that I'm 30. Yeah, so pretty rewarding thing being an Ace fan, if I if I could be honest. It's you know? not bad. Like we haven't climbed to the top of the mountain quite yet in our lifetimes, but it's still fun. So I can only imagine that if that ever happens, man, that's uh that's got to be super fun, you know. That's but yeah, cool. that's me. And I'm Corey Pack. I've been friends with Dan for a while. 15 totally. years or so. Yeah, we've I guess we a, should mention that. We've gone a few games together, <laughs> uh, more than we can recount from our, from memory at this point. Yeah, quite a few games. My father became an A's fan in 1968. He pretty much, I believe, I believe he moved to San Jose around the same time, and they were the only show he wanted to see, even though they weren't so good at the beginning, but uh, he liked it, and he stuck with him through the glorious championship years and i think that's really where my fandom begins and so i'm thankful for it through all the ups and downs there have been many but some of the greatest days of my life have been with dan at the stadium absolutely good stuff absolutely so we're gonna we're gonna do our best to tell it from our angle yeah as, as time goes on and you know we may not know the most but we know a lot and we have unique perspectives i think yeah i mean go a's I think that's that's basically what it comes down to. Go A's. Go A's. We are doing this on a day after an off day. I believe we're coming into game, what, 62? 62 sounds right. 62, I think. So, um, currently, what, 35 and 26, I believe, in first. Not by much. 35 and um, 26, by the skin of our teeth. Oh, man, tied in the lost column. I hate that. Anyway, so yeah, things could be far worse. There have been some ugly stretches. There have been some incredible stretches, including a 13-game win streak, which was a lot of fun. We're riding and, the wave. Yeah, We're I mean, I guess that's... Hashtag that's the, ride the wave. That's the, that's the motto, and it's been, I, I guess, working so far. Um, crazy that... Started the season off, what, 0-6 and 1-7? And, and then one thirteen. And now we're just sitting here. So it seems like we've already been through a couple of seasons, especially with last season being short. It feels like we should be done by now. Just but, imagine um, where we'd be without that opening stretch. Yeah, it's true. Even if we went like three and three, we would be in, we'd be more than one game up. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on um, this week. How do we do this week? This week, four and one. Four and one. On the traditional Monday through Sunday fantasy type schedule. Interestingly enough, uh, our fates turned... At the turn of the calendar. June looks good. Which can happen. You know, June that, looks that, really that totally good. happens occasionally. And that game on the 1st, that game on June 1st, was a very interesting game because within a calendar turning day, there was also a turning point in the game. I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm feeling way better than I was uh, a week ago. Um, they're playing pretty well. You know, the, the I don't think the Mariners are very good. Um, they seem to play very well. They seem to play pretty well against us and play their best baseball against us. But we started that series off bad, and we turned it around and played a lot better. You know, the Rockies, you wish you would have taken three. Um, but all you have to do is win series, and that's what we've been doing. Sweep so, would have been nice. Sweep would have been nice. I and I feel like we haven't swept anyone in a while, which I feel like 
kind of can make you think that you're not playing that well sometimes because yeah. you haven't really like dominated anyone and swept them. But I mean, what we haven't lost a road series this year, right? Yeah, we have not. And so that's pretty impressive. That whole I wish it was a sweep really encapsulates my mindset here because you know it would be nice, but we're we're doing alright. Yeah, and I right. think that's it. We're like we are. We're privileged right now. We're privileged to be complaining about the fact that we're not sweeping people because we're me- we're mostly beating everyone. So we're six um, up in run differential. Finally, we're we're out of the hole they dug at the start of the season. Yeah, and I uh, it was just kind of a little bit of a commentary on how not representative that number is for a very long time in the season. You know, I mean, there can be some very wonky run differential stuff going on for maybe the first 45, 50 games of the year. And it will not necessarily correlate to the same. I mean, we were in for, we were in first place for a significant amount of time with a negative run differential, and you know that like that's not going to be happening late in the year. You know, I mean, no, we're not. No team will have a negative run differential and be in first at game 140. No. You know, I just don't. I think it's impossible. We so um, okay. interesting to talk about. And I'm glad we're out of the hole. But I think, you know, at this point we're 35 and 26. If you fast forward to you know a later point in the year where if things hold for 70 and 52, I don't think we're, our run differential is going to be close to negative. I think we'll probably pretty be pretty deep and positive because we've been playing good baseball for a while now. And we only played really, really bad baseball for like a week and got a really deep hole because we really got spanked a couple times. So, you know, it's funny. It's I mean, the numbers are there, but I'm not buying into them too much right now. Yeah, the prediction algorithms do not like this team simply because of that run differential, and it is what it is. So, forever underdogs. And yeah, even the in first place. So, highlight of the week for me, let's see. Hmm. Maybe Sean Manaya just dealing, throwing Sean, gas. Sean Manaya looking good is a big deal. Um, Complete game. I think... I, that was this week, right? It was this week. That was on. <laughs> that was Wednesday. I think that was last Wednesday. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, and it was on Lou Gehrig Day, which is even more beautiful, you know. Um, but I think obviously, I mean, yes, that's a great answer, uh, and that that is probably the answer. But there's also on uh, Tuesday, Lazardo coming in for Bassett, who was you know ineffective, which is which doesn't happen very frequently, and Lazardo looking great. Looking amazing um, is a is maybe it's close for me, but I think this has kind of been a whole year long thing. But I I noticed it this week even more. Um, it, just getting to watch Matt Olson hit right now is is amazing. <laughs> it's wonderful. He is so good, you know. Um, and there were there were times where we talked about you know like if this guy can consistently hit 250, 260 maybe he's gonna do a lot of damage. I think he's a little bit closer to 270 right now and looking like a 280 hitter. And if he hits 280, he's going to be in the MVP conversation. You know, if we win the West and he ends up hitting 275 on the year, I don't know exactly what the kind of numbers are going to be, but they're going to be staggering. You know, the guy does a lot of damage. Give us 50 home runs. He has it in him. You know, he has the power and he's... He's looking good. He's, you know, his eye, he's not, his the strikeout, his strikeout percentage is, has just been plummeting. And it's, uh, you know, you when when you're, when that type of thing happens, it seems a little bit unsustainable. But I mean, I, 
his his strikeout his strikeout percentage in 2019 last full year 2019 was 25.2 percent. His strikeout percentage last year in the abbreviated season was 31.4, but and he hit sub 200. I mean, there's a strong correlation there. You're striking you're striking out over 30 percent of the time. It's going to be hard to have a high batting average. But all of a sudden, in 2021, his strikeout percentage is 16 and a half percent. He has almost cut his strikeout percentage in half in one year somehow, and uh, it's showing up. Like the watching the games, that's showing up. He's not striking out. So it's uh, and uh, you know. His everything else is going up. His exit velocity is up. Everything's up. His hard hit percentage is up. His OPS right now is higher. His OPS plus right now is higher than the 59 game year when he homered 22 times. That doesn't seem possible. But it's true. <laughs> it's and it's so I think all of these all of the numbers support that this is a legitimate breakout as Matt Olson as a superstar. His, you know, in, in 55 games this year, his OPS plus is 167. In 59 games in 2017, his OPS plus was 166. And he, need I remind you, he homered 24 times in 59 games in 2017, which is unbelievable. That's, that's a staggering pace. That's maybe in the 70s. I don't know. I don't know the math like off the top of my head, but that's high 60s, 70s yeah. pace. And it was so wonderful to watch. Yeah, and it seemed unsustainable, but now he's doing better. You know? So, just by a little bit, but still better. Wow. Well, so yes, watching Olsen has been a treat. And going back to what you said about Lazardo, I think brings us to one of our main points of just Bob Melvin turning that whole cold streak around. Brought in Lazardo to mop up Bassett. Hayes have been scuffling, and all of a sudden they've won four in a row. Almost five, almost sweep. It was a good week ever since Bob Melvin comes in and gives them a piece of their mind. I mean, And it's true. It happened midway through that game on June 1st against the Mariners. Wouldn't you love to hear that pep talk? I know I would. And, uh, I mean, they were playing badly. They were looking listless. They were looking not very involved. And uh, all of a sudden they came out one inning like a brand new group of guys. And come to find out after the game that Bob Melvin absolutely lit into them, apparently, in the dugout, which is exactly what you want to hear, you know, because that's what it felt like as a fan. It felt like you just wanted to kind of yell at them a little bit because you know that we, they're good and you know we, that they can win. We've been doing it. And, yeah, I'm yelling at the TV, so it's, it's, it's a little bit refreshing to know that some of those times Bob Melvin's feeling that same energy and he's giving it to them a little bit in the dugout because they're good, and I think that's the frustrating thing. They, when they're, they're tough to beat when they're playing well and when they're engaged. And so when that isn't happening, it's kind of frustrating to watch. Um, and I think frustration was mostly – there shouldn't have been any extended losing streaks this year. You know, like this this doesn't seem like a team that should lose any more than two or three games in a row. Um, so when it starts to get to four, five, and then, I mean, like I said, six earlier in the year, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It's, you know, you, you're too good for that to happen. And so I hope it doesn't happen anymore. It hasn't happened in a while. Um, but you know, you never know. But uh, Bowman's just the man. He is the man. He signed. And, he signed this uh, magazine for me at spring training one year. Kind of looked at me like I was a little too old to be asking for it, but he did it anyways because he's the man. He is the man, and I think he. That's one of the things I appreciate about Bob Melvin, and I think it's part of what has helped this team like gel so well and become so competitive. He's 
he seems like a player's manager in like the truest sense that a guy could be a player's manager. He just lets them be themselves and they are quirky and they are, they have a good time. You know, I mean, they're, they're during a one win streak a couple of years ago, they what they were shotgunning Red Bulls in the dugout and smashed the cans on their heads. You know I mean? It was there. They've been, it's very whimsical. They seem like they have a really good time and he seems like he just allows them to have a good time. And I think that's a, Baseball's fun. You know, when ba- when baseball is played well, it's fun to watch, and it's got to be fun to play. And I think the looser you are allowed to be by the guy who's running the show, the more fun everyone has. And when everyone's having fun, you play well. I was listening to Chris Townsend. Shout out, Townie. Hey, it's cast. And he was just talking about how, you know, when you got a hard-ass manager on you every second of every day, not only do you not want to hear what they have to say, you don't really like them, you don't want to play for them, and that's not what Bob Melvin's doing. He's hands-off, he's letting them be who they want to be. Maybe they're not doing so great for a while, but you got to let players try and play out of it, and he waits till the exact right moment to light a fire under him. You love to see it. He's easily the greatest manager we've seen in our time as A's fans, I don't really remember the Art Howe, like how he managed very well. I just remember. Bob Melvin <laughs> has done done more with less. You and know, everyone... I mean, the, the traditionally dominant A's teams had bona fide superstars. Totally. Bona fide superstars. Um, and I, I mean, not to take anything. I guess not to take anything away from those managers. But I, you, I think Bob Melvin could win with those teams too. You know, and I think, I think maybe lesser managers than Bob Melvin could win with those teams. And I don't know if, I don't know how many managers could win at the level that he's won with what he's won with. You know, um, and I think in a lot of ways as a fan, it's interesting to see because the Moneyball philosophy kind of, you know, wears on you occasionally, but. Once Bob Melvin stepped in and he just understood what they were going for, it works. You know, when 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 Billy Bean and by connection David Forrest seemingly know what they're doing. So they just needed a guy that was gonna buy in completely and play the game. And the game I mean it hasn't it hasn't been a ring yet, but it's been a, a lot of wins. Um so uh yeah, I mean I Bob Melvin, incredible career. Coming up on 1,300 career managerial wins, which is a big number. Now um, the winningest in Oakland history. Absolutely the winningest Congrats in Oakland history. 802 wins now, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, 11 years as A's manager, 802 wins. Five years as a Diamondbacks manager, 337 wins. Two years managing the Mariners, 156 wins there. He's a three-time manager of the year, 2007, 2012, 2018. Uh, made the playoffs seven times in 18 years. Um, seven, seven 90 win seasons. 36 wins in the 60 games last year, which would have easily been another 90 wins had they maintained that pace. So, uh, you know, it's all, I mean, most of the numbers are great. He's it's, a stud. He, he hasn't won a ring yet. That's the, that's one thing. Coming up. But, uh, you know, I mean. He's uh, he's impressive. He's unflappable. He's the leader of the A's. He's and I love him for that. Figured out how to make Elvis Andres and Tony Kemp viable options. Yes, which is which, is, which are both worth uh, talking about right now for just sure. Thank um, God for Bob Melvin. I Elvis Andres 
I was I was so out on Elvis Andrews. I I mean I feel like we don't even need to talk about it. He was his OPS plus was like room temperature. It was bad. It was it was it was, uh, it was bad. Could have stuck a fork out there. It would have done the same thing. Yeah. Um. But then all of a sudden, boom. He is not only hitting the ball hard. Nobody on our team is hitting the ball harder than him. Um. And he. You know, I feel like it's such an old trope, but it's always worth mentioning. Um, it, it, ne- it never affected his defense, and it, he was always in the game, even when he wasn't hitting well. I mean, he did some things on the base bats that were I've never seen before. I've never seen anybody pull off before, which was cool, you know? Oh, and man. He is a, he's rock solid at short, and in a lot of ways, all like we said, all we need him to do is hit 250, 260, and he's been doing us way better than that for the last... Three weeks almost. So we're getting into the not insignificant sample size territory of him really hitting the crap out of the ball. And uh, I think that's a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm here for it. It definitely eases my mind a little bit about short. When he deked that defender into the interference and just got the easy run, oh man, he immediately won me over, even without the offense at that point. But he's heating up. And we're going to talk more about this in a little bit. We're going to look at some exit velocities here. Last week... Elvis Andres led the ace in average exit velocity, 92.5. One, 0.1 ahead of Mark Canna. But, I mean, I didn't see that coming at all. Not at all. Not at one point in the season would I have thought he would lead the team over the course of a week. And it's nice to see. It is. I think maybe this could work. So, yeah, I, it, you know, it's, I think the comforting thing is that currently it is working. You know, I mean, it's not like a, the only perspective part is, will it work all year? Because for right now, it's working great. And if exactly what he's doing right now, right now maintains through the end of the year, then absolutely we need to keep him. There would be, no one would want to replace him. So as long, if he can keep playing like this, then yeah, there's no quite, there's there's no shortstop debate. You know, we, Elvis Andrews is our shorting, starting shortstop until he's not leading us in exit velocity anymore. Because <laughs> that's awesome. Tony Kemp's not quite doing the same thing, but 87.3 over the past week, kind of like middle of the pack above Matt Chapman, Stephen Piscotti, Mitch Moreland. I mean, that's fine. That'll play for now. And he's been carrying his weight. He's playing the defense. He's making the amazing plays. Tony Kemp has made made a handful of incredible plays this year. Just astounding plays. That one play he won play of the week for was Top-notch. The dive? Top-notch. The dive was incredible. You watch That's that one of the top ten plays of the year. If you haven't seen it, Tony Kemp goes horizontal. I think probably would be the, would be the most apt description of it. But, yeah, I mean, he exit velocity-wise, he's pretty much... He's the bottom of the guys that are hitting the ball well. He's not, you know, he's not... As, as you said, he's not leading the team in exit velocity, but he's still hitting the ball pretty hard, and everyone in front of him is hitting the ball very well. Yep. So, um... You know, Frankie Montas excluded me. Yeah, I mean Frankie Montas 88-1 on one on one on one batted ball though. One batted ball to second base. If Frankie Montas hits every ball 88.1, we've got a pretty good hitting pitcher on our hands. Put him in there, coach. Um, so yeah, I mean it's uh, you know, we're still waiting for Matt Chapman to come around. Um, very confident that he will. It'd be nice to see Brownie heat up too. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's. I think that's another thing. In first place, with not in first place, not firing on all cylinders, firing on a lot of cylinders, and it seems like we're picking up cylinders as we go. But uh, still, not all cylinders yet. 
you know? Um, just a little side thing that I wanted, as we were talking about some, how awesome some of these hurlers have been. Sure. I think you, we got to start, you got to start with Manaya. Yeah, shout out. Like that was my you, highlight of the week. You have to start with Manaya. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He's been really, really, really good. And uh, I think that that's not entirely unexpected, but I think he he's clearly such an easygoing guy um, that you, there was – I kind of wondered if he was made of the right stuff to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. You know, because you, you see people like Max Scherzer and stuff, and it almost seems like you have to be a little bit crazy to be, like, dominant, you know? Um, but it uh, turns out maybe not. You know, he's been... Well, that was a major topic of conversation or for his off-season workouts was supposedly head stuff, you know? Yeah. Telling himself, I'm nasty. I'm going to get nasty. Like. So his ERA is lower. His ERA is lower this year than it was last year. Um, his whip is higher, which is weird, you know? Like his ERA... ERA is almost a full, over a full run lower. His whip is a little bit higher. Um, I don't know. He's pitching well. He's pitching well. He's generally pitched very well since he came back from that shoulder thing. I mean, yeah. Wild card. You know, we all remember the wild card game, but if we took that out of the picture, I mean, it's pretty. Well, good. and I mean, just the Rays, man. There's pitching against the Rays. I hate the Rays. But yeah, I mean, he's he's. I think he's pitched. He's unquestionably pitching the best of anyone on our team right now. Throwing ninety six again. Yeah, I think that was the fa- that was the what? fastest I saw last game, which was crazy. That's oh my that's gosh, awesome. Lazardo was also like throwing mega gas out of the pen at yeah. like ninety nine, I believe. Yeah, he's got a really Lazardo can very lazily throw like ninety eight, and that's awesome. I don't really know how the rotation is going to shake out. Obviously, we got Manaya, we got Bassett. I think Montas stays despite. You know, some bumps. Yeah, I mean, Frankie, I think Frankie's going to be inconsistent. That's, but know, when he's, he's good, step. he's great. And you he, know. he can go innings, which is good. But then I, Irvin has been mostly amazing, and I think he stays for now. Lazardo I agree. is going to be there one day. Maybe not now. Who who am I missing? Is there is that five? Who's pitching? Who's oh, Caprillian. Caprillian. Caprillion has been amazing and also. And he's got to stay. Yes. Because he's awesome. I mean, they can go six-man rotation. I mean, right now he looks like a starter more than Lazardo does, right? So. But, I mean, especially when, especially if and, I mean, especially when Puck comes back, they could go with six for a while. Yes. You know? Whatever I mean, they're comfortable I think, with. I think, because, I mean, you, Cole Irvin hasn't thrown a ton of innings. Caprillion is, you got to use kid gloves a little bit. You know, you got to be careful. You don't want him throwing 220 innings. Not that he would anyway, but you don't want to do that. Um, and you, Lazardo, the same thing. So I'm I think to protect wondering... all three guys, but throw another starter in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you if you need if if Manaya or Bassett maybe feel like they need to be on every fifth day, then you know go hybrid five six skip Caprillion skip Lazardo. I don't know. I mean they right now we have more than five people that are pitching well. That can start, which is cool. I'm not complaining about that. But it is a little bit of a conundrum. We're looking down the barrel of what is our one of our easiest stretches of the season over at least the next like week and a half. Two against Arizona, who is not playing well at all. It's really the whole month is gravy, except for three games against New York and three games against the Giants. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees are playing badly. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, if and the Yankees... We have won every road game so far, so... And if the Yankees continue to play badly, 
that makes this month easier. And the Giants. I mean, I have a prevention. I'm not scared of the Giants. Giants are playing really well. What do you think we're going to do this next week? My prediction is sweep the D-backs three or four from the Royals for a nice five and one. I think it's going to be a – I think it's going to be probably four and two. I can totally see five and one happening, and that would be obviously awesome. But uh, I just feel like maybe we split with Arizona and then take three out of four from Kansas City just because the Diamondbacks are one of those weird teams. I feel like there's a, there'll be a game where they hit a bunch of home runs against us or something. I don't know. You can tell Marte's back and he's hot, so that's always a curveball. Um, and, yeah, then the Angels. I mean, I feel like we're – I don't know if we're ever going to lose to the Angels again. The Angels are bad. <laughs> I hope not because it sure doesn't – it's not Feel fun. Good. It's not it fun to listen to the Angels. Shohei is amazing. No, there's a, this is a Shohei. This is a Shohei friendly podcast. But the rest of the Angels, I'm Mike Trout. But everybody else, forget the Angels. My bold prediction of the week is that Matt Chapman gets back on the home run board. I, would, a, I'm just talking be, at least one here. It would be great to see. Um, my bold prediction of the week. Let me see. I think maybe we get another shutout. Somebody throws a shutout. That would be fun. I would like um, I, I don't. Let me think. I don't know who. Maybe Chris Bassett? Maybe Chris Bassett has another one in him? He's been pitching well. He's been well. close. So. Um, or I, I suppose he did throw one. Throw another one, He did. Chris. Yeah, throw so he's, now he's climbed the mountain. It's not that bad. Let's get him two tridents. We talk a little general baseball before we. We can talk about baseball. Okay, some, coolest thing. What's the coolest thing? Advice? What's the coolest thing you saw in baseball this week? Oh man, I don't even. I feel like this shouldn't qualify, but my brain keeps going back to. I believe it was last weekend. I don't know when it was. I texted you about it. Fernando Tatis made an amazing slide into second base, and his body just kind of melted around the ba- the bag, and looked like he should have broken a couple bones or something, but he didn't. And he does the splits all the time. So he, I guess, generally is the coolest thing. But no, that slide in a second is very cool. Yeah. Everything he does is cool. Everything he does is very, very cool. Um, coolest thing I saw, let me think. Oh, there was a play. I believe the Red Sox and the Yankees were playing. And Aaron Judge hit a screamer down the third, and it hit off. It was a ground ball, hit off Rafael Devers' glove, popped up in the air. Marvin Gonzalez caught it on the fly and still threw Aaron Judge out at first. <laughs> um, and it's not like the craziest thing, and it's probably happened before, but I've never seen it happen quite in that way, and it was a totally wacky play, and I do love a good wacky play. So uh, that's my thing. Aaron Judge hitting the ball like a bazillion miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, I think that may be all we have for this time. Um, we got a game to get ready for. We do, and uh, it's going to be a good time. My name is Dan. And I'm Corey. And... Uh, Go A's, baby. See you guys.